Welcome again to Hidden Truths. Today we have our host, Bob Barone. How are you today, Bob? I'm feeling really well. Right, so it's been a big news week, right? On Thursday, the government reported real Q2 GDP at minus 0.9%. And there are those who say the weak GDP numbers are misleading, employment is strong, and if there is a recession, it will be mild. What do you say to that, Bob? That's the narrative that Wall Street and the politicians want you to believe. But it's just another narrative, like all of them. Let's look at the official designation of recession. That's done by the National Bureau of Economic Research. They date the start and end dates of all the recession. But it often takes them many months to do so. Sometimes they don't even date the recession until after it's already ended. However, there's never been two negative GDP quarters in a row without the National Bureau of Economic Research later officially designating that as a recession. We have two negative GDP quarters, and because they've always dated the recession when we have two negative GDP quarters, it's become what is known as the rule of thumb that practitioners like myself and all the people on Wall Street use. When the White House or the politicians say that we're not in an official recession, that's because the NBER, the National Bureau of Economic Research, has yet to opine. But trust me, we are in a recession. Walmart just reported they missed on the top and bottom lines. Why? Because customers have significantly slowed their purchase of discretionary items. When Target reported a few weeks ago, same story. Both of these companies say that their inventory levels are way too high. That means they won't be buying as much from their suppliers. And that's not good for the economy. However, it might be good for consumers because all of that stuff that they have is going to go on sale. Let's talk about the labor market, too, because the labor market is held up as the reason why we're not in a recession. The payroll survey, this is the survey done every month by the Department of Labor, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the payroll survey. That showed plus 372,000 net new jobs in June. Oh, that looks pretty strong. However, there's some stuff that you should know about the payroll survey. First of all, it's only a survey of large businesses, 372,000. They didn't really count 372,000. What do I mean by that? Because they only survey big businesses a couple or three or four decades ago, the politicians said, hey, what's going on? You're not counting small business. And small business is the heart of the economy. And that's true. What did the BLS do? They didn't start counting small businesses. They did a study that showed the trend line of growth in small businesses over time. And it is true that over time, the US economy grows. What did they actually do now? They have an arbitrary number based upon this time study that they simply add to the number. 
in June, it was about 90,000 that they just added. They didn't count it. They just added it. And it's called the birth death model. They really only counted about 290,000. That's what they counted. Yet we have a company called ADP, which is the largest payroll processor in the United States. So you think they know how many small businesses they're doing payrolls for. Over the last four or five months, they've been showing negative numbers for the change in small business employment. The 290,000 number that I got from the payroll survey actually is a lot less because they're not counting the negative numbers for small business. Now, small business has negative numbers because small business always leads when the economy is either expanding or contracting. It leads big business. Now, there's a second survey that they do at the same time that they do the payroll survey, and it's called the household survey. The household survey is a survey of telephone calls to households. And they ask the people who answer the phone, are you working? Are you employed? Were you laid off? Et cetera, et cetera. The household survey also produces the unemployment rate. The household survey for June was minus 315,000. Yes, minus. And it's been negative in two of the last three months. Then, if the unemployment rate comes from the household survey, why is it that the unemployment rate hasn't risen? Because it's the number of people employed divided by the labor force. And the answer is, it must be because somehow the Bureau of Labor Statistics are seeing the labor force shrink. But that's not what we see when we look out, look at what's happening. For example, the Washington Post had an article that said of the 3 million folks who retired during the pandemic, one and a half million are now going back to work. That can't mean a shrinking labor force. And of the million and a half that said they're going back to work, 65% of them said it's because of inflation, and 45% of them said it's because the stock market is going down. <clears throat> Other data in the labor market. Initial claims for unemployment. This is a weekly data feed that's put out by Department of Labor, and this is people who are just first-time filers for unemployment benefits, which means they just got laid off. These have risen 90,000 from their lows in April. History tells us whenever this rises that much, actually, whenever it rises about 75,000, a recession occurs. When I said, trust me, we're in a recession, there's a lot of evidence to say that we are. So besides the labor market, where else do you see a weakness, Bob? A lot of people don't think that the housing market can go under recession, but there's some really early data that says that it can. For example, existing home sales fell over 5% in June, and year over year, they're down more than 14%. Now, existing home sales, these are contracts that were signed at least two months ago. The June numbers were contracts that were signed in April. 
Those contracts were done before we had the big up spikes in mortgage rates. That means going forward, we should see existing home sales fall even faster. In fact, when we look at new home sales, these are sales at the big companies like Pulte. They fell over 8% in June. If we look at the year-over-year -year number there, it's down over 40%. The home builders are not having a very good few months. If you actually look at the views of the home builders themselves, this is called home builder sentiment. They fell almost off a cliff in July. It was the biggest fall in the history of the survey. And the potential buyer traffic coming through those new home builder sites and looking through their models really went down a big time in, in June. Some more recent data, CNBC headline says home builders are boosting incentives because they are struggling now to sell homes. Yesterday, August 1st, CNBC had a headline that said home prices cooled at a record pace in June. I've seen articles that say the hot markets like Boise, like Denver, like Salt Lake City, half of the homes on the market have dropped their prices. So the housing market is starting to show cracks. What about the business sector? How is that doing? We already talked about Walmart and Target a little bit. Let me talk first before I talk about the business sector, about the consumer. University, because it's a flow of my thoughts, the consumer is a big player in the U.S. economy. Almost 70% of GDP is from consumption. And the University of Michigan puts out a survey every month called the Consumer Sentiment Index. It's a leading indicator of what we're going to see out of the consumer going forward. This index is at an all-time low, and this survey began in the early 1950s. Um, besides the general index, the University of Michigan puts out an index of intentions to buy other big spending items like homes and cars and even major appliances. And all of these three indexes are at or near all-time lows. The latest reports from Walmart, Target, and even McDonald's are already showing that the consumer is about to reduce consumption. So now let me talk about the business sector. Walmart and Target, that's retail. What about the manufacturing and the service sectors? The regional Federal Reserve banks all put out their own indexes about their own regions. For example, the Philadelphia Federal Reserve Bank puts out an index that shows what's going on in their region. Their index, if it's positive above zero, it means that we have expansion and below zero means contraction. In June, the Philly Federal Reserve Index was minus 13. And in May, it was minus three. That's two months in a row of negatives. Wall Street was surprised because they thought that Philadelphia index would be plus 1%, but it was minus almost 13. They also put out what is called a business expectations index. So they asked the businesses that they survey if they're upbeat or downbeat, et cetera. And the businesses 
were really downbeat. And it's important because if they're downbeat, they'll hire fewer employees. They won't expand. They'll hold off on their expansion plans. They'll cut back on their inventory, et cetera. The index from the Philadelphia Federal Reserve was minus 19. It's the lowest it's been in the history of this index, which started in 1979. And in, in history, every time we get to this index and see it below 10, minus 10, a recession occurs. The New York Fed has a similar expectations index. It's called their six-month outlook index. It was negative in July, and only three other times in history has this been negative. In September of 01, and in January and February of 09. Everybody should remember what happened next recession. Very scary times. Let's talk about inflation now. You have written that June will be the peak in inflation. Can you explain why you think that? Yeah, let's break down June's CPI into four different categories. Services, goods, food, and energy. And I have a chart of that. If you look at the right-hand side of the chart, services is shown in gold. And they rose slightly, the prices of services were up. But both the goods prices and the prices of food, which are shown in blue, they both actually fell a little bit in June. The biggest culprit in June was energy, and that's why we had the big spike in the CPI. But since that survey was taken in mid-June, the price of oil has fallen from $122 a barrel to just below $94 a barrel closed today, that's a fall of 23%. And it's almost a surety that the price of energy then, when they took the July survey, which was in mid-July, will show negative for energy. In fact, AAA actually says the prices of gasoline at the pump in July were 11% lower than in June. Think about inflation. Inflation is a measure of change. That means even if prices are high, if they stop rising, the inflation will be zero. Since the price of gasoline has fallen, just extrapolating that from the chart, the year-over-year rate of inflation is going to be lower when they put out the July survey here in the next week or so. If you look at more charts, what you find is that the prices of commodities and agricultural products, they've fallen off a cliff. And those are going to translate into lower prices. Although I will caution everybody slowly at the consumer level. Nevertheless, remember, if the prices aren't going up, inflation is zero. The futures market too thinks that the price of oil is gonna go down. This is called backwardation. Normally, markets are in what is called contango. These are the future markets. And contango simply means today's spot price, today's price is lower than what the market thinks the prices are going to be in the future. That is, they always build in just a little bit of inflation. Backwardation is really rare. It means that today's price is higher than what the markets think is going to happen in the future. 
And that's the way the markets are telling us that they think that the price of oil is going to be lower going forward into the fall and winter. So some good news there, right? Yes. All right. The Fed raised the interest rates on Wednesday by 75 basis points. You've written the Fed is pursuing a monetary policy that is too strict. Can you explain? Yes. This is the first time in the Fed's 109-year history that they have continued to tighten policy when a recession has arrived. Last Wednesday, when they had the press conference after the Fed meeting, Chairman Powell said he doesn't think we are in a recession because the payroll survey is so strong. Uh, at the White House and the Treasury Secretary also put out a statement saying that there is no recession. So I explained earlier about the payroll survey and the household survey and how the household survey has shown a lot of weakness. And now we're actually seeing layoffs starting to rise at a significant pace. As I indicated earlier, initial claims for unemployment are now over 250,000, and they were at 166,000 in early April. Once we get that kind of a rise from the lows, well, recession almost always ensues. Powell and the Fed itself are actually much of the reason that we have inflation. Until they had started to tighten back in March, the growth rate of the money supply was horrendous. It was many times higher than the potential growth rate of the economy. And we know from theory and from history that when the money supply grows a lot faster than the economy's potential, we get inflation. Why is it that we had the money supply grow so fast? It's because when the federal government ran the huge budget deficits in 20 and 21, it was over 5 trillion in 21, when they gave all that money to us for nothing, the Fed monetized it. That is, they didn't tax us. The Fed simply created the money. So if the money supply was growing so fast, why has the inflation only shown up over the past year? That's a good question, but it actually depends upon your definition of inflation. If you're referring to inflation and the prices of goods and services, that's a good question because they've only shown up in the past year. But we've actually had inflation in the financial areas, stock prices, what about housing prices? And everybody knows that they're inflated. No one is going to complain when stock prices rise, nor will current homeowners grumble when the prices of their homes go up. But in this case, uh, the prices uh, of equities in homes rose because the Fed provided almost unlimited liquidity to the financial markets. Some economists have referred to this as the financialization of the economy. Now that the inflation has morphed into high and rising prices of goods and services, now suddenly it's become a real problem. Before, when just the prices of stocks and homes are going up, nobody complained. But now everybody's complaining. Let's go back and look at what happened to this Fed. Pre-Bernanke, this is before the Great Recession when Bernanke was chair, the Fed never 
manipulated interest rates. They knew that even the 16 smartest economists in the whole world couldn't determine the proper level of interest rates. The proper level of interest rates is the job of the free markets to determine. In the pre-Bernanke days, the Fed controlled bank reserves and therefore could influence the lending volumes of the banking system. And that regulated how fast the economy could grow and the Fed could then keep it within the limits of the economy's potential to grow. The free markets set the levels of interest rates. It's now apparent to most economists that the quantitative easing policies stoked the growth of the money supply, first translating it into the financial market inflation that I just talked about, and more recently into the inflation in goods and services that we see today. Simply, if they back off their quantitative easing, which is what they're doing now, then what we would have is the prices of goods and services would come down over time. But not these guys. Not only are they reducing the money supply, but they're also raising interest rates into a recession. The money supply is being reduced at a pretty rapid rate. When we actually see negative money growth, which is now starting to occur, we're going to see the financial markets have an issue and the economy will slow down a lot. That's where we're headed. The Fed is driving monetary policy by looking at the lagging indicators like employment and the CPI. And I think this is equivalent to driving a car by looking through the rear view mirror. I'll end by saying, sadly, that interest rate policies act with a lag, and that means we're going to feel the impact of what the Fed has done over the last few months for several more months or quarters. And the policies that they've adopted will make the recession, unfortunately, deeper and longer than it has to be. Great insight as usual, Bob. It's so important to be aware of your perspective so that people can look forward and plan according. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Subscribe to the channel. It's amazing. We're publishing videos every week. Go to Hidden Truths that today as well, where you find our podcast as well as all our videos. Thank you again for watching and see you next time.